Welcome to the Rad Dice Diaries RPG podcast with John and Hannah. Hi. And today, as per the result of our recent Twitter poll, we're going to be looking at the Fog Giant. So, let's start at the beginning. What are Fog Giants like in first edition? Fiend Folio, is it? That's right, yeah. Fiend Folio. That's the book we're currently working through at the minute. Produced by TSR UK. Okay, so it describes Fog Giants as being cousins to Cloud Giants, which we'll touch on in a little bit. And if on very rare occasion as many as six Fog Giants are encountered, they'll always be accompanied by a Cloud Giant. They've got very keen hearing and highly developed senses of smell, which makes them very difficult to surprise. They also have the ability to blend into fog, giving them an 80% chance of surprise. Seems a little bit unlikely, but... They inhabit foggy areas such as marshes, swamps, dense forests and places near the sea, so like the coast. Fog giants have milk-white skin, silvery-white hair and black penetrating eyes. They love massive ornate swords and prefer armour made from white dragon hide, presumably because it blends in with that whole alabaster colour scheme they've got going on. Mm -hmm. In melee, they either fight with these massive swords or with their fists. And like all giants, adult fog giants, sorry, can hurl rocks uh, for a great distance, inflicting 2 to 20 points of damage if they hit. They also have a 45% chance of catching like similar-sized rocks and stuff if they're thrown at them. Mm-hmm. It says here, randomly, their armour, if worn, has no effect on their armour class, which is always treated as one. Now, obviously, this is 1st edition AD&D, so it's Thaco, so lower armour class is better. So one's like one step down from, like... Perfect. Yeah, pr- 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 I wouldn't say unhittable, you well, do you, get some of minuses. You need a natural but, 20 to yeah, hit it, Yes, it's, it's pr- pretty damn good, I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. Uh, fog giants speak their alignment language in their own particular dialect of giant language, unintelligible to all other giants except for the cloud giants. Okay, so that's fog giants in the fiend folio. Now we mentioned they're sort of like distant cousins, or they're distantly related to cloud giants, which I know are in the first ed ADD monster manual. So do you want to give us a bit of a bit of a flavour of what cloud giants are like in? First edition AD and D, Hannah. They're less common than the other kinds of giants. So that's like fire giants and frost giants and whatnot. Yeah. They live in crude castles on top of mountains or on magical cloud islands. Get that Jack and the Beanstalk vibe in. They have one to four spotted lions as pet guards. All right, that's random. They can hill rocks, same as the other ones. Sixty uh, percent chance to catch missiles. Keen sense of smell, do, do, do. and then it just gives you some instructions on basically how to organise the group of them. So, if you've got one, it'll probably be male. If you've got two, there's a seventy-five percent chance that the second one is female. Okay. And that the others are young giants, so obviously a family group there. Um, do do do. of cloud giants are very intelligent. Uh, These will be the ones found dwelling on cloud islands. Makes sense. And they are able to levitate themselves with an additional weight of up to 20,000 gold pieces per day. Okay. 
So just to jump back to the Fog Giant in the Fiend Folio, like a lot of the monsters in the Fiend Folio, it only gets like a very small sort of a black and white sort of picture, which seems to be like the standard for the first edition monster manuals. And in this, it shows like a sort of, an almost like caveman sort of like primitive like figure. There's something very sort of Ray Harryhausen about the drawing. Yeah, he's, and he's wearing this like scale armour, his mouth's opening like a scream, he's got like a couple of like fanged teeth, he's got like sort of what looks to me like vaguely dreadlocked hair, and he's holding like a huge boulder above his head, and there's other suggestive texture suggesting mist sort of swirling around his legs, which mm-hmm. it's not the best artwork I've ever seen, but like a lot of these first edition AD&D artworks, it's got that sort of like that old school charm to it, hasn't it? Whereas the cloud giant is drawn sort of almost Grecian oh, right, with his okay. like toga looking. Yeah, and he's thing. leaning on a column. He, yeah, and uh, he's just drawn leaning on a massive club. Okay. So, what about second ed? Yeah, after first edition. Uh, Fog Giants appeared again in the second edition AD&D Monster Manual and we get like a slightly different sort of artwork there. It's a big sort of muscly, pale-skinned figure wearing basically like a big nappy and not holding a club and like with a couple of belts around him. But other than that, it's just like bulging muscles. Think the sort of like outfit that like Arnold Schwarzenegger wears in like the Conan films. I was going to say it does kind of look like they've put the head of Christopher Lloyd from Back to the Future onto the body of Arnold Schwarzenegger from Conan. Yeah, the haircut of the Fog Giant in the Monster Manual is a bit mad. But what else does it say about Fog Giants, love? Uh, so the description is very similar specifically says that they have no facial hair that's random (laughs) yeah Um, massive ornate clubs now rather than swords yeah seems like they're trying to emphasise a more primitive vibe Mm -hmm. which would go with the artwork and now we're talking about hunting groups rather than families right yeah so more tribal do, do, do. Chance of catching weapons, throwing rocks, keen hearing, highly developed sense of smell. So, meaning they're less likely to be surprised again. Caves, it says access to their caves, implying that they live in caves. Which wasn't actually mentioned in the um, the Fiend Folio. It gave you like a sort of broad sketch of like this is the sort of terrain they like, mm-hmm. but it didn't actually mention anything about where they live. But as we've said in the Monster Manual, because each monster's getting like a page right up here, whereas the write ups are a lot smaller in the Fiend Folio, mm-hmm. you tend to get slightly more elaborated sort of like habitat and society right. information. Access to their caves and regular hunting camps are often protected by deadfalls of rocks or logs which can be released by a carefully thrown rock at the first sign of an attack against them. That's quite cool, and that makes sort of sense. I mean, let's face it, if you're a giant and you're like the shiznit when it comes to like hurling rocks, like you've got really good aim, why would you not go, I'm going to set up all of my traps so I can be stood in the centre, and when I want to set them off, I just reach down for this convenient pile of rocks and I... And off the traps all go. 
It's also reminiscent of the sort of Norse storm giant type things. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Where like are a massive storms gone through, and it's left all these trees knocked over. So obviously, when people looked at it later, they're like, "Must have been something massive gone through here. Must have been a giant." Yeah, and didn't they used to say that like, um, like thunderstorms were like giants arguing or fighting or something mm-hmm. like that? So, and I suppose if you think about the sound of like big thrown boulders and like crashing traps, mm-hmm. you, you could sort of that could sort of be interpreted as like a sort of thunderous sound. So yeah, that's quite cool. I like that. Uh, yes, so fog giant families live in caves, canyons, or thickets. Uh, thickets? How big a thicket have you got to get to fit a fog giant family in it? (laughs) So it says, um, in the most inaccessible areas of marsh, swamp, forest, or coast, usually hunting groups ranging up to a dozen miles from their home, and generally formed by giants of similar alignment... Some stuff about silver treasure that they have to consume large quantities of food to support themselves. Makes sense. And so, obviously, that means that sometimes they fall out with each other. I'm sure I saw that somewhere. Yeah, territorial disputes flare up between groups, especially in times of bad hunting. And that they mark their territories with big bark of boulders and logs one thing I can see there as well that looks quite interesting is it says that by tradition a young giant may not mate until he's obtained at least one large ornament of silver usually the young giant joins with several others in a quest to find one so that's quite interesting you know like a little bit of like giving you a bit of like the tribal culture and like a suggest. obviously it doesn't go into detail because it's only like a one page write up but as a suggestion there's actually a society there Rather than just like, oh, we are a tribe of generic big monsters for you to come mm-hmm. and head. So that that's quite interesting. And I wonder if that's going to be something that's going to be developed as we like look into the into the, the sort of third edition book that's got a fog giant soon. And the thing about the markings with uh, stones and boulders yeah. is very reminiscent of. One of the things that I found when I was looking up about fog giants on the internet and whether there are any myths relating to fog giants. Oh, right, okay. And I came across a very weird cartoon, which I've now closed... Oh, no, there we go, called Inui, which is kind of like an Inuit version of Dora the Explorer. Oh, right, okay where she explains a little bit about the Inuksuk, which are these, like, sort of monolithic landmarks that are all over North Canada. Okay. And they've been built by the Inuit tribe to uh, give them, like, markers so they can find their way in the fog. Oh, right, okay, that's cool. And many of them are sort of humanoid, but... As with many things from many of the cultures that have been, like, utterly destroyed over the last couple of hundred years, it's not really clear what stories are, like, their old stories and what are stuff that the Christian missionaries have made up. Yeah. And nobody's really sure what's actually there. But, yeah, 
this thing about the markers just reminded me of it. Well, yeah, it's, it's interesting as well because that brings another thing to mind. I mean, I, I sort of mentioned it with, when I was being a bit sort of like scathing about like thickets hiding uh, fog giants. And you mentioned there specifically that like, the Inuits potentially built these huge markers because mm-hmm. they could see them through the fog and it helped mm-hmm. guide them about and everything. That makes perfect sense. But it also makes me think... I know they're I know they're like all silvery white and whatever, they're the fog giants, that's fair enough. But I'm thinking like hiding in fog, really, eighty percent chance of not being seen. Cause don't don't get me wrong, if you're if you've got like pale skin and they're they're absolutely white. Mm-hmm. However, they are still a solid object. So if you're like seeing them in fog and there's some light coming through the fog, okay. you will see them as like a shadowy presence in the fog. I would like to remind you of that time when we were driving in Scotland. Yeah. Oh, and no, the you're fog right, yeah. was so thick that we had to use the sat-nav to see the road. I would like to remind you of the many, many LARP events that we've done where you've worn a uh, robe slash cloak made out of old dust sheets that's just off-white and how close you can get to people when it's just a bit misty in Look, that, even in the middle of the day. No, I think you're absolutely right, and um, Hannah's absolutely right. We did go to Scotland at one point where we were driving, it was so foggy we, we couldn't see the road at all. We had to use a sand, we had to stop several times we were worried about how dangerous it was getting. And also, this isn't to cast any shade on my ability to wear like, white robes and like murder people in the fog at LARP, because I do quite enjoy that. However... I'm not a giant. The road was not a giant. I like to think when we're in Scotland, even with that fog, if some sort of humongous giant capable of throwing oh, like half no, mountains John, that was loomed up, you couldn't see twelve feet. I, I, away. I don't care if you're a, if you're a giant, like an actual proper giant. There is no way you're not at least going to go. What's that like big shape over there in the fog? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not buying it, personally. You'd, I'm not buying it. You just read it as a mountain or a tree until it moves. And the mountain's starting to move! Exactly. That's Actually, like yeah, that could where be pretty all cool. these giant stories are. But yeah, I'm, 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 I'm still not buying it. But to, to be honest, <laughs> it, it's D&D. We're in a magical world. Do you know what? I think if, I, if I'd have been writing The Fog Giant... All I would have done is I'd have put just like a cheeky little line in there, not even any game effect. I'd have just put a cheeky line in there saying like, when they're in the mist, like it gets thicker and more sort of like difficult to see through. And if there'd have been something like that written in there, I'd have been like, oh fine, it's some minor magical ability they've got, but they don't seem to have any magic. So them sort of staying like concealed in a fog seems a bit weird to me. And that's probably how I'd rationalise yeah, it in do my a game. Lot of hunting as well. That that's not magical. No, but if they're going to be doing hunting, then they're going to have to learn how to sneak up on their prey. That's fa- that's that's fair enough. But I, I think probably I'd use the rules as is if I was using a fog giant in my game. But I'd probably just rationalise it as okay, they've got some very like minor instinctual control over the fog or something like that. You know, and it sort of it becomes thicker, and that makes it possible to hide them, because that that would seem more likely to me, and, and it doesn't seem sort of infeasible because we're like a magical D and D world. So, what about third ed then? Is there anything different? 
Okay, well, in third ad 3.5, the fog giant didn't reappear again until the monstrous compendium Monsters of Faerun book. As with a lot of things in sort of the third edition onwards, they're linked to a particular type of elemental plane. We're told they're linked to the elemental plane of air. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a whole bucket of hit points. They're described as being armed with great clubs, so the swords are gone, as with the second ad. It's all about the clubs now. They get a few skills like climb, hide, jump, listen, spot. The sort of things that would go with a sort of hunter-gatherer, that makes sense. They get alertness, again, makes sense. Cleave and power attack as feats, so they deal more damage with the clubs. Mm-hmm. They're described as lairing in temperate marshes and forests, and you either find them as like a solitary giant, a hunting group of two to five, a raiding party with some cloud giants, or a clan, which is like 11 to 20 giants. Have you got something to add? Obviously, Phantom's decided to come in like add a few um, meows of wisdom to the episode. Yeah. Okay, right. so we're told that, again, that fog giants are relatives of cloud giants. They're more intelligent and stealthy than they're usually given credit for. They stand about 24 feet tall with tree trunk-sized legs and overdeveloped arms. They've got milk-white skin, which aids their ability to blend in the fog, and silvery-white flowing hair. They're keeping the whole thing that they grow no facial hair, although apparently they have ample hair on their arms, legs, and chest, so that makes it seem even weirder to me. <laughs> they prefer to wear no armour. So again, the, the sort of dragon-scale armour it talked about in the Fiend Folio is gone now, and at least... Oh, they just say here at least one band wears armor made from white dragon hide. So they've sort of retconned that a little bit to say, oh yeah, the ones they talked about in the Fiend Folio, that's just one particular tribe. Most of them don't. They prefer to attack from cover, favoring heavy fog naturally, initially relying on rock hurling to scatter their opponents, then charging into melee with clubs flying. They can catch rock. Here we go. This is what I'm talking about. They've got an extraordinary ability, hide in fog. In foggy conditions, fog giants have an unusual ability to blend into the mists. In light fog, they gain a plus four bonus to hide. In dense fog, it goes up to plus seven. And these numbers include the penalty for the giant size. So as we were talking about just then, obviously the people who did 3.5 are thinking the same way. And they've rationalised that ability to sort of camouflage themselves as like a magical or extraordinary ability, which I think is pretty cool. And as is often the way in 3.5 here, they've sort of lumped it together with another giant called the Failing Giant, which is tied into the Forgotten Realms, sort of warped stone giants. We won't go into that. We're told that some fog giant groups include sorcerers or clerics uh, and fog giant clans live in caves, canyons, or again, those massive 12 foot thickets that are apparently everywhere in D&D worlds or in the most accessible, sorry, inaccessible areas of marsh, forest, or coast. The hunting groups gravitating towards other giants with similar alignments, though a single clan usually includes individuals of a different alignment, which is different to what it said previously, because it said they don't get on with other people, didn't it? And I think me and the cat both agree that if you've looked at the map of Ferun, there's plenty of forest space to have some 12-foot thickets in. That's it, man. Although, to be honest, every time I mention it, I keep thinking of the band, Darkest of the Hillside tickets, to be honest. That's all I can think of. So, can we think of any ways that you could potentially use these um, these creatures in your game, rather than just like, oh, here come the giants, get your magic items out? 
Well, probably they would be something that you'd need to negotiate with rather than fight to make them interesting to me. Yeah. Um, I did like the idea of the group of young giants in second ed going out to like get, get some silver, silver so yeah. that they can go and propose to their girlfriends. Uh, yeah, I, I do like the idea of that like that could oh, make for a really good little story. Yeah, I do like that idea of like maybe the adventurers are hired like oh some giants broke into my my treasure vault and stole all my silver and they're like oh evil giants let's go and get them and when they get there they find that it's actually like if they like a bunch of like lads 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 like young giants <laughs> who've basically just sort of like gone oh we're, we're, they're also like the spotty like teenagers of the giant world and we're like. Today I'm going to be a real man, and they, they've gone into like uh, they've gone in and they stole all the silver, and they're trying to like melt it down to make into like a big silver like plate or something to like take back to their tribe to prove they're like a real man, basically, you know, sort of test of adulthood. Because then, I mean, again, all of this stuff falls down if you've got like murder hobo player characters who are just like mm-hmm. kill the giants, take the treasure. But if you've got even slightly moral like player characters, unless the giants have killed loads of people. You've then got the moral thing of like, well, do you just sort of say, oh, we'll keep the silver until you've passed your test and then we'll have it back? You know, because you can sort of empathise with them a little bit. Now, similarly, I I would like to pitch the exact same story, but as a stag knight from the giant's point of view. Amazing. For your murder hobos who do just want to be like, lads, 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 and go and stamp on things. Let them be 24 feet tall while they do it. I, I, I do like the idea of him. You know how there's a thing about when people go on stag party, you will see people like throwing like cans of lager about and whatever <laughs> and stuff like that, and people like staggering around like wearing like stupid stuff. I, I do like to imagine like a group of like fog giants and like the first players encounter him is like somewhat like this huge rock comes like flying out the fog and like totals a village. And the, then they just hear this like booming, bellowing voice going, Oh, but I could throw one farther than you. <laughs> and it's just like a load of like giants who are like up maybe they've like broke into like some brewery or something i don't know they've drank the dwarf's brewery dry and now they're just like oh lads 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 what's, what's, smashing what's, a beer barrel yeah, yeah exactly like, like smashing a whole cottage against the side of their face and then they're just like oh what shall we do now hey look there's a pile of rocks over there lads oh fight you reckon you can throw one of them and then just like having a bit of a contest and obviously the the end result of that would be pretty much the same like you've got to stop them giants like mm-hmm. destroying everywhere but I think that adding that extra element of humour it's just like an extra little dimension to the giants rather than just like we are evil giants oi, 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 mm-hmm. and you go and kill them which is pretty f-ing boring let's face it but again I, I do very much like this idea of the first you see of them is something like the <laughs> and just a big rock comes out of the fog yeah, that is a really like nice image, and I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm I can't remember the exact thing, but I'm sure when I back when I was playing um, fifth edition for a while with like Andre Martinez and his group, which are a great group of people, um, he was running one of the fifth edition adventures. I can't like the adventure sort of path things. I can't remember the name of it, but there's there's one bit where you arrive to like protect this town, and there's like old stones like sunk into the ground from like an old giant attack and i always thought that was pretty cool 
and again if you've got fog giants could be like an like any giant could be an excellent reasoning for like oh there's a place for like loads of like weird standing stones that like old civilizations have maybe like worshipped or used and you can say like oh maybe there's legends about like giants used to have like rock throwing contests and stuff like that as there's legends in the real world but you know maybe they're true in your D&D world I mean who knows mm -hmm. so another way you could use it would be to have it as not necessarily a random encounter but a, a planned encounter on a journey yeah. You don't know that there are fog giants in this place, but you go through this place. And whether you encounter them, what you do about it, whether you get on with the rest of your journey, pretty much down to the players. But just through what we've read through there, you've got like some really good eerie descriptions for yeah. a spooky place. You know, you're walking through this thicket and then like the mist comes That's up to you in thickets. And obsessed, she's obsessed with thickets, listeners. I don't know what the hell's going on. And the, you've got like the knee level mist, and as you say, standing stones, monoliths of some sort. And then as you go like a bit deeper into it, and the mist gets up to waist height, suddenly you accidentally trigger one of the traps that they've set up to mm. protect this place. Yeah, that's true. And then you've got to deal with like a pile of rocks falling on the group or whatever it might be. And then maybe you encounter like some footprints or some leftovers from the hunting or whatever. Realise where you are and you've literally just wandered into the middle of these fog giants territory. Yep. What are you going to do now? I've also got an idea which would involve a slight sort of tweaking of the mechanics, but not too much. We, we've talked before about how in third edition it's become an extraordinary ability that they can camouflage themselves in fog. I, I think maybe like, I'd quite be interested in like pushing that a bit further because there is the spell like Misty Step in D&D, which effectively allows you to like teleport yourself from like one place to another, like disappearing into like the fog and stepping out of another. Now, I was thinking, what if fog giants, obviously they move at normal speed, etc., but what if, when they're camouflaged, it's not just because they've got pale skin, what if they actually become part of the fog What whilst they're moving, so they have like a sort of mist form, you know, a la the old like, vampire turning into a cloud of mist? It doesn't mean they can move any faster. It, prob it might not even mean that they can avoid damage. You know, if someone sees them, they can probably still attack them. But I just think that's a cool idea if you wanted to maybe do a bit more sort of like a horror-style vibe. Mm. You know, because I can't, I can't get out of my head. As soon as I heard Fog Giants, I couldn't get out of my head, like, the idea of, like, the fog, you know, the film. Yeah. Where, like, the, the pirates just seem to, like, form out of the mist and they emerge out of it. And I'm like, can you imagine how, like, f***ing terrifying that would be? if those pirates emerged out of the mist and they were like 24 foot tall or whatever <laughs> and you were just like oh there's one mountain and then you're like why then have three mountains and why are two of them coming towards me quickly what, holding big clubs going lads 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 <laughs> so that's been our episode on fog giants we hope you've enjoyed it if you'd like to leave us a message, perhaps comment on this or another episode, maybe you've got some suggestions for things you'd like to hear on the podcast, you can get in touch with us by either leaving us a voicemail at SpeakPipe, there's a link in the description of this show, or you can send us an email to rdrpgpodcast at gmail.com. Until we see you next time, take care, stay safe, and keep gaming. Bye.
Watch, watch, watch. 